You're listening to the official Scottish Rugby Podcast with Caroline and Chris. This week we are delighted to be joined by one of your former teammates. Uh, another one. Another one. <laughs> ben, ben Cairns, uh, former Scotland and Edinburgh rugby uh, player, but also now turned Heriot's coach. So let's start off there. You two must have clocked up a fair amount of playing hours oh, for your years well, together. Well, Both centurions. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, when did you start? About 2005-ish? Yeah, 2004, 2005, I think yeah. was my first season. Um, um, well, I, I played right through to 2012. You went off the Gloucester for a bit and came oh, back. Yeah. What was it, one you? or two seasons? Yeah. Seasons? yeah. Uh, when did you finish? Uh, you were after 14? That. Officially 2014. Yeah. 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 But there was a good two and a half years of trying to get fit again. You had a bad injury, didn't you? Yeah, it? yeah, it was knee and then yeah, multiple knee ops. I uh. think I had three and gave up the ghost. Uh, the so, same thing, the same operation three times. Nah, so dif- different. So first one was pre-season game against Sale, which was a World Cup year. So I got released from the Scotland squad to go and play in that game uh, um, in 2007. That would be, Is that yeah, right? Yeah. No, 2011. No, 11 it was because it was in New Zealand year. Yeah. And then did everything everything to money you can do apart from not fully rupturing my ACL. It was only partially ruptured. So they cleaned it out and um, did all that stuff, oh. uh, rehab for four months and then came back to full contact and fully ruptured my sale. Oh. How, um, that, must so have, that. that must have been hard, looking back on the career challenges, that period yeah. of time was surely... Yeah, I mean, I, it, it was, yeah, for sure, but at the same time, like, I had a I had a plan, you know, so I'm always okay when I've got a plan, it's, mm. it's, when, it's when the plan disintegrates, that stuff, but um, I, was, I was fine, you know, it was a case of, well, rehab back, it went get the operation it's just your acl this time we'll, we'll be out for nine months do that and then you'll be back so i think i was out for something like 60 months total mm. before between games and then got back playing and then my knee just kept flaring up so i had another op um and never got back from that up so there was three and then since then i've had another one on the same same knee again so there's four ops oh. on this right could start with the cheating it's a good, ad, it's a good, ad, <laughs> good advert for the game yeah. so when, when when was your last game then when did you last play for edinburgh um it would 2013? Have been, yeah, 2013. Wow. Yes. Because it, you had, what, 117, about 117, 116 appearances for Edinburgh, didn't you? Yeah, more proud of the 110 starts. There you nice. go. I mean, yeah. that is a stat, isn't it? 110 starts. And most of those must have came early. Yeah. I, I, I thought your knee injury was, I didn't realise it was so close together. I thought it was like one, you came back for a bit and then another. I think I had six games so from the first injury to, to retiring. Yeah. So those 100 odd would have been in a role from coming into the squad as a youngster. Yeah, I'd, like mm. I, I would have considered myself Old. Um, pretty lucky in terms of injuries all the way through. I was pretty robust until yeah. that one. I thought um, you were going to consider yourself old as a young player because you had that much experience. Yeah, well, yeah. it was that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. I now I now speak to young guys who are maybe between positions and yeah. be like, "That's great when you're young." Like yeah. when I went when I first came into yeah. Edinburgh. I played, it was something like seven games in the centre, yeah. seven games at fullback, and seven games in the, the wing. wing. I mean, yeah. I'd played 21 games in yeah. my first year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I always tell boys that I think I think that's a good thing, you know, when you're when you're coming through, because ultimately it means you're on good. the pitch. I totally agree. I think it's good. We've spoken about that before. I think it is really good. It gives you a better understanding of other positions, and that can help you in your primary position. Better awareness, better, you know, different perspective, but just playing, just getting game minutes, meaningful game minutes where you're under pressure, you're stressed. Where it becomes difficult is when you're trying to improve in three or four yeah. positions mm. against I've someone who's improving in one position. So your head-to-head becomes really quite difficult because 
you're trying to you know spread your, your improvement over three positions rather than focusing one but I yeah. still think but it's a great thing to do. It's good for the team surely as well because like you're saying I mean a bit like Johan Cruyff total football mm. m mindset if you can yeah. if you've got a utility mindset and you can cover it it's exactly as you're saying. It's decision making isn't it? Decision yeah it, it probably it probably turns at some point where you want yeah. to be the main man you yeah. want to nail down that position and make that your jersey. Especially with the specialist harder. positions like inside outside. Yeah. yeah but definitely early on in players careers I think it's a good thing for sure. Mm. You played a bit of fullback later on in career as well, didn't you? Yeah, I'd still I'd still jump a around yeah. a little bit for for Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, all my caps for Scotland were, were outside centre, yeah. and I kept on trying to push the case when I wasn't getting my game that I'd be a really good guy on the bench because I could cover <laughs> a few. Who was was Andy Robinson coaching then? Yeah, so Scotland Frank Frank was head coach when I got my first cap, right. and then then, then, then Andy. Then Andy. Andy. Um, yeah, they were my, my sort of seven caps were under those two. Mm. Do you know when you look back at the time as well? I, I bump into you quite a lot at the Edinburgh games yeah. now. Uh, it's so different, isn't it? In terms of when you look at it, we're looking mm. at we're looking at the <laughs> the BT Murrayfield Bowl just now at the pitch, and it's currently well, it's gearing up for Beyonce, isn't it? <laughs> there's uh, there's not a blade of grass in sight. Uh, you've got cranes in there, and if you think about how much time was spent of your career playing inside a stadium, yeah. and now you go to the damn health, it's a completely different experience. Totally, and like, yeah, I mean, the, the experience those guys are having now, you, I would have loved to have had that, you know. Um, it, it definitely feels like Edinburgh's made massive strides in that regard in terms of making a proper club, proper mm -hmm. rugby club. Um, everyone's so inviting. Um, when I come back, it's, it's, you know, everyone's sort of shaking your hand and just a really good atmosphere for the players now, you know, to be involved in, and they're, they're massively supported. And, you know, um, I think we've seen glimmers of that at times on the pitch, maybe not so much this season, but it's definitely helping them perform uh, more regularly. On that, the the Fosrock Super Series sprint at the moment. Yeah. The entire thinking behind the Fosrock Super Series is to bridge the gap between the amateur game and the professional game. It's effectively totally. the the first step on the latter for the elite high performance side of the game. Yeah. You've been a professional player. You're now a coach in that setup. Is it achieving that aim? Yeah, I think it is. I think you know it's it's still. Um, fairly young as a as a competition, and I you know I see it growing and getting better. But um, I think you've got to look at the guys that have came through and then gone on into pro contracts, and they've definitely used that as a springboard. Um, and maybe not even just so in Scotland. You know that's where we want them to stay and come through Super Series and, mm -hmm. and go pro at Edinburgh and Glasgow. But those chances, there's only so many of them because there's the, only the two teams. But you know there's guys that have gone down to like Cammy Henderson's gone to to Leicester. Even Will Hurd came up for a bit for Super Six, and then he's but he's back mm -hmm. at uh, Super. He was Super Six at the time, um, <laughs> and gone, gone gone to Leicester as well. Logan Trotter down to London Irish. Three of the guys that were were with me at Stirling at the time. So, yeah, I think there's opportunities within Scotland to to grow it and and, and help the two pro teams. But it's also giving guys a really good shot shot window for for further afield as well. How's the change? You mentioned Stirling there, obviously head coach of Stirling for two or three seasons, did a great job, changed at the start of this season to, to take the Heriot's role uh, closer to home. How's you, how you find the change? Yeah, it's been it's been great. Um, you know, I, I think I, sp I probably spend about eight hours a week less in the car um, on the journey. <laughs> I'm Edinburgh based, so, you know, that's, that's helpful in, in right. itself, but... It probably just came to a point where I needed a change, yeah. um, and it was two. There were two different decisions. The first part was was leaving Sterling and making that call. That needed a change. I didn't know what that change was mm -hmm. at the time. And then the Harriet's role um, came up, and you know, I jumped jumped to that, and it's yeah, it's been great. You know, I think I spent. It's a weird one because I, I finished with Sterling on the thirty first of October officially, and started with Harriet's on the first of November. 
but I didn't have a team to coach until thirteenth <laughs> of February they came uh, in, you know. So you spent three months getting a team together, getting a squad together, mm-hmm. trying to set up the environment and make some changes there. Mm-hmm. Um so we could hit, hit the ground running and thankfully we have, you know, it's been a good start. Is that like one of the hardest bits of being a head coach in super series is, is recruitment? Because it, it's so important yeah. and it's a, it can be a, an amazing sale or it can be a more difficult sale depending on the individual you're you're trying to recruit. But is that what takes up most of your time or is it on-field coaching? No, nah, I, I, like for me as head coach, it's it's probably the it's the off-field stuff, it's mm-hmm. the recruitment that, that takes the majority of the time, the recruitment and ret- retention, um, the environment stuff. Mm-hmm. That, that probably takes up more of your time than the, the sort of time on task with the players on, on the pitch. And yeah, it's a challenge and, and I guess part it's... <laughs> You know, if you're doing a really good job, then you have to recruit more because it yeah, means you've got yeah, more guys exactly. coming through and going pro. You know, and that would yeah. be that would be our number one target is to yeah. be the team that produces the most pro players out mm-hmm. of our environment. Um, and if that's your target, then mm-hmm. you, you know you take a hit on the other side where you've got to keep bringing new new guys in. So the turnover can be high. Mm-hmm. You want to try and protect against that by having a group of players who you know maybe mm-hmm. don't go pro but love the environment and stay um, long term. And I, th- I think Heritage have got a decent mix of that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it definitely is a balance because if you want to win things um, year on year, then you need a bit of cohesion. You, mm. you need a bit of consistency in your squad. So it's there's there's a balance to that, and it but it does take up a lot of time trying to get the right guys into your environment for sure. That is a tough target, isn't it? Because ultimately you are. You know, I mean, it's a performance based sport. You want yeah. to win, but as you say, a successful outcome for you is a pathway up for the players. And and as we've talked about a moment ago, is achieving that aim of bridging that gap between the amateur and professional game. Yeah, and look like each environment might be slightly different in their priorities, but ours is, is pretty clear that mm-hmm. it's about bringing as many guys through and going, mm-hmm. going pro first. Um, but there is a balance, right? You can't just go all eggs in that basket because there'll be times where if you do your job really well, you lose you know half your squad. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty hard to replace and still be right up there next year. And also, if you're going to bring guys through, they need to be playing finals. Like yeah. They need to be at the top end of the competition, showing that they're able to perform under pressure at that level. Just before we jump on, a bit more recruitment. You'll know, having been in, played in Scotland, amateur professional, coached amateur professional, age grade, everywhere, you'll know pretty much everybody in Scotland, but a big part of the recruitment is players coming to Scotland from other, from other areas, other leagues. Where do you start, uh, you know, in terms of, of that? Do you have connections? Do you have people you can trust? Do you have you know, ex-players you used to play alongside that are still involved in academies or clubs? Yeah, all over the country. It's everything. Uh, <laughs> a big phone booth. It's not. Yeah, Yellow it's not pages. really a starting point. It never ends. Um, and that's difficult. Even identifying where to go next, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think you know, there's there's agents involved, so you'll have a few guys that um, will look after players of the sort of level that we are looking at. So there's there's that avenue. There's the sort of SQ program side of it, where mm. we'll we'll be aware of players elsewhere who are Scottish qualified, and we're trying trying to sort of bring them into our environment that way as well. Um, I think some of the best recruitment I've done over over the years has probably been through other players, mm-hmm. letting me know that this guy's interested, mm-hmm. or I've played with him before, or he's at the same university as me, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and and them giving you the recommendation. And ultimately, even yeah, surely that's a good and that's a good foundation. Yeah, for if you. it's a player you trust and he's played at that that level, then he's got a pretty good good idea. Yeah. Um, and that's probably the ones, even even if it's a player that comes through a different route in terms of an unknown, whether it's an agent or, or, or elsewhere, you probably still want to find someone who knows him or has played against him yeah. or can find out and, and an opinion you trust yeah. that way as well to, 
to get an idea before you before you um, recruit them. And it's it's a it's, hard, it's always it? the balance as yeah. well with that is around like because it's a potential thing, right? So it's yeah. not you're not bringing in players who are going to be nailed on mm-hmm. um, awesome mm-hmm. from the start because they'd probably be pro, a pro player somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're looking at that next group who have maybe got the, the potential to be pro and, and mm-hmm. taking a bit of a gamble, a bit of a leap because of you know the stuff you've heard around their attitude and mm-hmm. um, yeah their commitment levels and, and probably a little bit around their experience, like how like what's taken them to that point? Have mm-hmm. they been in an academy all the way through and that's where they're at in terms of performance level or have they, mm-hmm. or have they missed the boat and all that kind of stuff and they're, they're coming from a completely different place and actually their their potentials maybe mm. p- potentially greater greater or arguably greater because they haven't had that support previously what type of coach are you in terms of that in terms of the player management side of things and we're talking about the type of support that they might have had what type of coach are you so i'm i'm definitely i, I talked about earlier about needing a plan mm. um so i'm definitely a planner and an organizer and i like structure um I remember sp- that thing we did years ago in the squad where you were color-coded I think everybody does it. There's insights and there's all yeah. slightly different things. There was red, yeah, blue, green, green and yeah. yellow. You'd be a blue. Yeah, I'm you? heavily in <laughs> in there. Yeah, there's no, sorry, no. Sorry, it's sorry, not I'm like you're between two. <laughs> there's you're no a purple, he- you're yeah. a heavy yeah. blue, structured, yeah. processed, organised. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. So that's probably where I start with with the players. Um, but I do want them to feel like they can they can express themselves, and certainly as a player, that's that's what I wanted. You know, I yeah. wanted to feel like I could go out and express myself, and that's when I had the most fun. Um, so there is a balance for me, and I'm, I, I need to be real conscious of how I come across as a planner and as an organizer, and, and I like structure, but still allowing them to to play on emotion and, and, and do their own thing at times as well. I'm going to interrupt again here because I, I think you're onto something. Well, I want to get your view on this because I feel. Like you and I, when we played, we would struggle to play. Maybe, well, maybe no, you, you, maybe you'd be all right. But I think I would struggle to play in the current game in mm. terms of what the players are asked to do in terms of their their, their understanding of the structure, their your know, adherence to the structure. I felt as if we were had a, a loose structure and we were empowered to make decisions in the moment in the game that I think maybe current players would struggle with. Yeah. Would, would it be true? I, I, I can't believe the amount, the amount of information that the players have to process now. And I, I would struggle with that because I would be more instinctive. Yeah. Do, you, do, do you agree? Would you think? Would you find it hard to be coached by you? Now? Yeah, but yeah, I know where you're coming from. I think the art of good coaching, though, is to make it simple again. So, yeah, yeah it's complicated behind the scenes and there's lots of stuff in, in your head that you're trying to get across. But it's then being able to get it down to, like, key messages again and also probably theming it so it sticks as well Mm -hmm. like if you're just giving them bits of information you've got to find a way of making it fun still and 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 for them to retain and is that a difficult thing to not give all the information you want to or you can yeah you have to draw a line you almost deciding what not to say is more important than deciding what to say yeah and i'm terrible for it like (laughs) yeah i mean i i really struggle with that because of that structure and and planning and organization and detail that i like um it's really i find it really hard Mm. Um, and then you're working with a group of coaches who also want to get yeah. their detail in yeah. for their areas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a real art to try and then condense that back into to what players can take on. And I think you've got to look at the game as well. You've then got to look at the game and go, why did I put in six line-out attacks? Aye. We only ran one Aye. that we actually got in in the game. It's a what-if though, isn't yeah. it? Uh, it's, it is. It's it is. We need loads, or you need you'll have that perfect game where uh, you suddenly you get through um, your first three lineouts or four lineouts, and you're like, "Oh, what? The boys didn't know what to do now. They don't run the same play again because there's nothing left." Uh, or, um, that so. is hard. It's hard that amount of information and like the how data the game changes. You're talking about well, not, not so much data, just in terms of 
structure, organisation, shape, attack and shape of right. a 15 metre line of a touchline. Yeah. Like, whereas we, for use of a better term, what people probably associate as a game plan, mm -hmm. like we didn't have like there was no a playbook. deep game plan. Yeah. We had a, a shape of nine and a shape of ten yeah. and we had a general understanding of like what to do if your numbers up, if your numbers down, if the score was close, if it was raining, if it, we just knew. Whereas I think now yeah. it's almost a lot more tell for players. Do you think it that's wouldn't It wouldn't change week to week for no. us as well. That's no. I think but that's but probably a big difference. But it changed from our decision making in the moment rather than what we were told. Totally, and I think it wasn't brand new week, information yeah, each week. Yeah, I think yeah. week to week there's so much new information for players to process. Now, I would really struggle, I, I would find it really quite difficult. Mind, they would maybe struggle without yeah. the kind of level of detail that we didn't get. Yeah, I wonder if it'll it'll just it'll be cyclical. Back. It'll yeah, just come back the other way, you know. And I think there's there's a spectrum always mm -hmm. on that stuff, isn't there? It's maybe why we get so excited as well when you see what looks like a bit of flair in that yeah. moment where it, where you know you're watching a, a game and you're you're seeing a bit of flair from somewhere from the back line. Something happens and it feels like it isn't part of the plan, and it's yeah, yeah you may be drawn to. It. That's probably where you guys get really mm. coming here for. But you hear guys speak about Finn all the time, Finn, yeah. Finn Russell, and mm. how he he looks like our best flair flair player, you mm -hmm. know, off the cuff totally, and then you speak to all the guys who are in the environment with him and he does it's the most analysis so much like, analysis and he's the uh, most yeah. prepped out of everyone so that he can then give that pass because he's seen the pictures before it takes a lot of work to make it look that yeah off the cuff but yeah. interestingly as you're saying it's because they've now we've now got the data or, or, or we've now got the mindset and the culture within yeah clubs. i think training it just evolves and changes doesn't yeah. it i think there's more and more data and Sometimes the problem with having more and more data is it feels you have to use it. Yeah. But your obvious picture might be in front of you and it, it might be yeah. a simple thing. And that's where good coaches use their coaching instinct and their coach's eye, for use of a better phrase, to, to know what the important information is. And what yeah. to pass down. Mm. I think that's that's the key for me and I would I would have a rule that I'm always I'm I'm going first on what I believe and yeah. what I'm seeing and then using the data to back yeah. it up rather than being data-led. Mm -hmm. I think there's there's something in that that you, you don't want to become a coach that's just relying on the stats and the data to tell you how you're going to play a game. But we'll move for that onto emotion. How did you feel at the weekend where they were trailing heavily <laughs> and then go back to 26 all was it then? Yeah. yeah, it's funny. Uh, I mean, it, was, it was an emotional game, eh? Yeah, ma massively. <laughs> I mean... What, 21 nil down? All, yeah, it's an analogy around not getting off the bus, isn't it? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, we struggled. But look, there's... I think with games at this level, there's always momentum shifts and, yeah. and it doesn't sort of matter how well you prepare or how well you think you are ready going into the game and focused. You know, there'd be a couple of moments early doors that com can completely change that, um, whether that's bits of play from ourselves that, that, that don't work, whether it's bits from the opposition, whether it's a referee's decision, like there's things that happen within the game that will completely change momentum. And then the, the hard part with momentum is getting it back. It's, you know, it's- You did that on Saturday though. Mm. Like, was it 21-0 down and then you scored 21-7 and then for me going back through it I thought you didn't concede when you got to 21-7 and the air had a lot of pressure on your line yeah. I think if you conceded then yeah. if you conceded then I think you probably don't come back and totally and get it so that was for for we quite often look at attack don't we as how well you're playing but that defence it was just before half time was pretty crucial wasn't it yeah like we, we've spoken about it. it's funny the, the, the data part of that right um, before beforehand we talked about how Ayrshire Bulls have the least one of the least second least entries into the goal zone which uh -huh. is the, the, the opposition's 22 
um, but they have the best conversion rate. They're at 53% before we played them, which is really high. So we're like, we cannot allow them to get into their 22. And you did for 10 minutes. The, the game, if you look at our stats from that game, it's the flip. So they were in our, our zone some like 17 times, um, but they didn't convert anywhere near as much as they normally do. And that's that defensive effort mm. is why we stayed in the game and why we were, we were, we were still part of it. And I, like on review, you've got John Hardy, who's my defence coach, right. going, we were awesome at the weekend. <laughs> and you've got me in t- charge of team attack going, that's the worst we've played. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? Like it's 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 funny how you're you're completely but skewed by part the of that as well. From memory, was like it was three or four driving malls or five minute liners that you held out in that period that was like made a massive swing. And, Big time. And obviously then your attack clicked and you got back into the game and it was you know momentum swings again. But it was a you might face them again, but it was a cracker if you've not. Yeah, and for those who didn't see it. Yeah, and like a, a couple of our early tries have came off like first phase of something mm. as well, which you know I think one's off a counter where we go wide mm. and then we kick the ball through um, and, and get a score. Mm. We've got a scrum attack straight off straight off first phase that we score um, and a mall. So we've scored I think we've scored three first phase tries, which mm. always helps get you back in a game that you're struggling with if you can you know turn the tide. So if we look at. The table, as it stands just now, ahead of what is a really big weekend this weekend, that's, that's close at the top. You've got Ayrshire, Bills and Watsonians sitting at the top, and then just behind you've got yourselves and just ahead of you, Sterling Wheels. Yeah. I mean, this is tight. Yeah, it's real <laughs> tight, and I guess, you know, part of that's the fact that um, Watsonians have to go to Ayr, to Milbury this this week and play. They play against each other, so someone's losing points, um, which gives us a chance. I think we're two points behind them both. So, yeah, it's, it's really tight. Um you know, our, our job is to make sure we, we control what we can control, which is winning our game, and we'll, we'll see what happens beyond that. That's surely how you want the season to be wrapping up there, though, isn't it? This is this is the ideal finish from a fan's point of view. Well, it's points difference, isn't it? Yeah. One and two are level, separating points difference, and three and four, two points behind are separating points difference. So it's it could be could end up being anything. It's effectively yeah two semi-finals. Two semi-finals. Totally. The final. That twenty-four 0 first half against Edinburgh <laughs> first first uh, rounds probably killing us a little bit. Does the yeah. points difference carry over from there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's all part of the day. table. Um, oh. So yeah, no, that was wasn't a great start, but it's got better <laughs> since then. <laughs> You're also taking on your former team, Sterling Mills. Yeah, Luca. Uh, yeah, I've tried to. <laughs> I've tried to change the calls. <laughs> um, well, yeah, they're still playing similar rugby, I'd say, but they've probably hopefully well, had, had. We'll find out on Saturday. <laughs> but um, I've tried to stay away from that. Like it, isn't, it isn't sort of. Obviously, I've got that side of it, um, and there's that meaning for me. But for the rest of the group, it that's that's not what it's about for them. Um, and actually, for us as a group, it's it's our best ever opportunity to make a final in mm. Super Six or Series. Um, so that's that's the opportunity there for us that that, that we're using um, for the players rather than anything to do with me. Sterling have played pretty well as well, haven't they? They've, in terms of a lot of their attack, certainly is they'll be a threat. It's developing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the way they're playing yeah. and thinking they're playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, they've probably not had the rewards for how well they've played. Yeah, um, but they are. Again, Hards will be getting his defence tested a wee bit as well. I think at the weekend. Yeah, I th- look, I think I think they've done really well in terms of the players they've kept, but also you know some real key individuals that have came in. Craig Jackson coming in at ten, mm-hmm. he's made a big difference for them. Um, Glenn Bryce at fullback, mm-hmm. again someone who can break the line and, and mm-hmm. make things happen for them. And Rui not at six. I think those three um, signings especially have made a big difference to them, and they just look like a. They've always been a really cohesive unit, and you can see that that's carried through. But they've maybe got a few older heads now that have helped them get in better positions to then go and win games. And then if we, I mean, so from a coaching perspective, 
by Friday night, you'll know how things are looking. And yeah. Term- so, so how do and you your games on Saturday? And your games on Saturday. Yeah. So how do you um, approach that with the players in the morning? Is it a case of look, we're just focused on this game in hand? I mean, how are you going to? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to know. <laughs> I think this this week's been about taking care of our own our own job first, which is is winning at Golden Acre on Saturday. Um, before Saturday comes, we will know off the, off the back of Friday night what we're, what exactly we need to do in our game to to make that final. Um, but we'll give ourselves a pretty good chance, you know, if, as long as we win the game. That would be the first part. And if you start going, oh, we need we need a bonus point, and that's that's what it's about. Then you probably lose, you know, the way of getting there in terms of you know the building of pressure and, and and keeping the scoreboard ticking to create that gap to allow you to go and then chase tries later on if you start trying to chase them too early. So. We take care of all of that once we once we see on Friday night, but it probably doesn't change a lot of of our prep. You know, ultimately mm-hmm. we're prepping to go and win a game on Saturday. Did you always know that you wanted to go into coaching? No, um, really. Yeah, look, when I, I played, now yeah, nah, when I played, and people asked me what are you going to do after rugby, I said I don't really know. I probably want to stay in sport. Yeah, you studied I, sport, though, didn't you? Yeah, sport, sport science. science yeah. Um, but. I probably don't want to stay. Um, I'm like, I want to get away from rugby for a bit. Really? Would be my answer. That didn't happen. And then, <laughs> nah, nah, it definitely didn't happen. I guess the, the injury when retiring early, yeah. and then it's what I knew, you know, and there was an opportunity to go to Curry and, and learn um, there. And it sort of just gathered pace from there. And I'm glad I'm glad it did because I'm really well, enjoying I'm it. surprised at that because yeah. I thought, I've you know, played and trained with you for so long. I, I thought there was a natural coach or somebody who obviously is a natural coach, but somebody who. We'd have seen their future as a coach in there. The way you played, you were almost like a, a that, player who coached. It was the plan, as yeah, we talked yeah. about. I'm quite surprised. Nah, so I saw it as like two careers almost. It's like, yeah. I'm going to do rugby and then I'm going to do go and do something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it changed. <laughs> do you know what's funny as well? Whenever you speak to... Uh, your re- your reaction, your response has actually caught me off guard a wee bit because I just assumed, like Mossy, that it was a, it was a, a no-brainer in a sense because to us, watching you play... I, it always looked in the role that you played and any time I was interviewing you in the past, it always just felt like it was a really obvious step for you. But, but to you, it was a... Yeah, and look, like I definitely, when I, I, I played, I, I prepped, as similarly to how I'm prepping now as a, a coach, you know, in terms of watching the footage and formulating game plans in ways that I would I would want to play against my opposition when I was when I was playing. But So, I, yeah, I probably, I definitely developed skills through through playing that would, that's put me in this position. But at, at the time, it wasn't, it wasn't something I felt like I was destined to do. I, I definitely felt like I wanted to get out of the rugby bubble and do something else when I retired. But I saw myself retiring probably now. I'm 37 yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it happened a bit earlier. And I suppose as well, when we talk about when we talk about the success of the, or the, the, the intentions of the Fosrock Super Series, it's not just the players that it works in terms of a pathway for two. You look at Fergus Pringle, he's now in the mm. under-20s. And I suppose that it's it's not a learning ground, though, because the standard of rugby that's expected in the Fosrock Super Series is is high. So your time, it carries. Do you feel that that set you in good stead to progress in your coaching career? Yeah, look, like the, the fact I finished from playing earlier, I've just seen that as an opportunity to get ahead of my peers in terms of the, 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 the coaching side of it, you know, and, and use all of that experience I've managed to gain over the, the 10 years of being in, in the coaching environment to this point um, to, to my advantage um, and and yeah it's been a it's for me it's been a nice progression almost you know from going probably in at the deep end becoming head coach of Curry pretty early on have, having retired having some age grade involvement with Scotland under 18s and Scotland 19s uh, alongside that it was pretty heavy to start with um, but now I th- 
you know, I feel really comfortable in my own skin coaching at the level I'm coaching um, because of because of that experience I've managed to build up to this point. And yeah, you're right. It's it's it isn't just about the the players in terms of that those next steps. You know, I was lucky we we had Pete Horn for for a year mm. or two as my defence coach at Stirling. He's 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 mm. kicked on. Um, obviously, you mentioned mentioned Ferk, Stevie Laurie, early doors. You know, he was mm-hmm. he was he was going to be involved in, in Super Series and then went went to Edinburgh. So. It's and, and Pete March as well. So um, there's, there's lots of yeah, yeah. lots of examples yeah. who have who have used it as a springboard. Um, and similarly on the referee side. Now here's a question. I obviously we see you as I said we, we sort of bump into each other here. Your playing days give you that opportunity to catch up with friends quite regularly and easily. Now you're coaching. Your schedule will be ridiculously busy I can only imagine uh, what what about the players that you guys used to play with do you still catch up with are you still socialising with any of the lads that you used to play at Edinburgh with it's, it's a weird one isn't it like I, I don't see many of them often mm-hmm. but when you see them you pick up as if you've you've saw them last week you know even though you've maybe not seen them for three years um, the, the one I, I spend a decent amount of time with I'm kept in touch and, and see each other regularly is Tim Visser um, we ended up going into property together and um, he, he lives around the corner from me so I'll see him often but other than that it's the odd text and things and you bump into guys Edinburgh's pretty small and you, and you see guys fairly regularly but um, yes yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one that's you, you spent so much time with them um, like real intense time with them going away on, on, on tours and all that kind of stuff together that you would think we'd be in touch all the time but you know, life gets in the way, I guess, um, to an extent. I totally agree. You just get sick of each other. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it's true though. It's true. Like you, if you bump into somebody, it's like you've never, not seen them for five or six years, and it's, it's fine. But you don't you, like, oh yeah, just the, the age and stage you have in mm. life, and whatever else goes on. It's uh, I see this at the gym quite often as well. I see this yeah. everywhere. Uh, to be fair. Know, it's always just floating about. Isn't it? Yeah, That's very it. much so. Yeah. Well, listen, it's always good to catch up with you. Um, very best wishes for what are couple of really big weeks uh, ahead and then at the end once you've finished the Foster Rock Super Series sprint are you getting a, a wee week or two off are you going to you taking the, <laughs> well, the championship family will be on it <laughs> straight away well, yeah it? yeah so I think it's uh yeah for for us we'll go one week off um which will be a review week for me so the players will be off but I'll be in <laughs> um then we'll have four weeks of pre-season mm-hmm. then we'll have a week off which will be an actual week off for me right um, we'll get a, get a holiday in the school holidays with the kids um, for a week and then we'll have two prison games and then we go again. Well, we wish you all the very best for a couple of very busy weekends ahead and, of course, highlights of your game and, of course, the whole Fosrock Super Series sprint can be found on Scottish Rugby website, scottishrugby.org. Mm-hmm.